Welcome uh, back to uh, White Line Fever Kicks. Um, I've been really um, um, slack in doing this podcast, and uh, I think the reason is that I haven't taken opportunities when they're presented themselves. I've kind of been too strategic, not strategic, but you know what I mean, because that's an insult to our guest if I say that I'm being unstrategic by having him on the show. But um, the de- on his last day as a full-time employee of London Scholars, Charlie Dehan, the GM. How are you, Charlie? I'm very well, Steve. Thank you. I'm looking forward to having a chat. Well, <laughs> that's not getting everyone too excited. Um, now, before we... This is weird because we're going to do like an intro and an outro all at once for some of the listeners who may not know much about you. You joined the club here and we're sitting here at uh, New River Stadium overlooking the ground uh, on a Saturday night. Um, you joined the club from the education sector, is that right? That is right, Steve. Yeah, well remembered. So <laughs> I worked at a, a school not too far from here in, uh, in Harringay for a few years. Um, not as a teacher, but more kind of behind the scenes operations... Uh, managing their facilities so that's kind of my my background is more in, in leisure and sports development and then obviously came onto the scholars uh, a few years ago so i mean what an amazing i mean I'll, your perspective on rugby league for people who are listening uh who you know an absolute couldn't be more of an outsider um uh, maybe if you were taiwanese you'd be more of an outsider but uh, um i mean I, I this is like it's such an open-ended question but what have your impressions been over the last... Is it four years, five years? Uh, three and a half years. I think I came into the role in November 2018. Seems like 30. It, it does. <laughs> I think I probably aged 30 years. Um, yeah, but I was very much an outsider. Knew very little about the sport. Um, obviously, I'd watch games on, on TV as a sports fan, mm-hmm. but didn't know much about the kind of inner workings of clubs or... Uh, and to be, to be perfectly honest, before I applied for the job... I hadn't heard of London Scholars before, um, but I suppose you could say I've, I've picked up a lot, I hope, over the last few years. And I guess in many respects, like kind of the average the average Londoner, in terms of there's not that many rugby league clubs in the, in the South. So uh, I feel like I'm uh, almost like a microcosm of, of wider London society in, in that I, I didn't know much about the sport, but I've given it a go and kind of fallen in love with it and, and learnt a lot and now I think I'll probably be a fan forever. Now, um, we hear a few fans forever in the background are laughing. The funny thing, I'll give you a little technical thing if you're doing a podcast on your uh, iPhone. I used to um, do the pre-match interviews on Triple M with the coaches and I would point the, this bit, the, the, the uh, microphone at the bottom of your phone, in their face and um, it would pop all the time. So... I, that's why I'm pointing it away, uh, but l- let's hope this is usable. Um, so, um, um, strong points and weaknesses of the organisation. Like you would go to club meetings all the time. You've, you've seen the inside of these uh, uh, machinations. Um, what are your impressions of the sort of s- strong points and, 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 and kind of weaknesses of, of the way rugby league's organised in this country? I think a strong point is certainly, and a lot, lot of people talk about it, is that it's a quite close-knit community, and I think that can be a, can be a positive. Perhaps it can be a negative at times too, but I see it very much as a positive in that people are very much there to help you, assist you, uh, work together. I've always felt there's somebody at the other end of the phone, particularly somebody like myself coming into the sport, not knowing a great deal, particularly in those early months and years, I always felt I had support 
to try and guide me through the you know the various processes that are, that are part of the job. Uh, in terms of negativity, I'm not sure about the wider sport. I suppose the, the sport down here in, in London is is always a, a topic of conversation and, and how it's grown or how it hasn't grown o- over the past years. Uh, so you know, as as somebody who's passionate about London scholars and about the wider game uh, in London, I, I certainly think there perhaps could be a greater focus on developing the sport down here. I did an interview the other day actually and, and was sort of speaking about development of rugby league in London and, and somebody said to me that London really should be looked at like a country rather than just another place in England because it's you know the pure vastness of it uh, it's just like anywhere else in the UK so I think sometimes or in Europe or, or Pacific or yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely mm. and I, I think sometimes maybe the sport's a little bit guilty of using or expecting the same model to work in London than it, than it does in, in other parts of the country. So I think that's at least something for the, the sport to look at if it is indeed passionate about growing the game down here and perhaps focusing on the UK ahead of other expansion areas. I say you go to these meetings and there's been some big ones and I'll ask you a question about one meeting shortly, but... Um, do you sense the political kind of uh, uh, just how political things are in the north, and how you know how um, ingrained these relationships are or aren't, and uh, and and some and 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 the and the, um, the politicking that's at work when big decisions are made. I mean, as someone who is an outsider geographically and also kind of culturally, you know. Yeah, I think there's. It's been noticeable at times, for sure, in, in mm. terms of you can see that there, there are perhaps certain relationships that have been built up over this long, long period of time. Um, mm. And perhaps certain people can rely on others and, and it could be other, difficult for other clubs or mm. representatives of other clubs to kind of break into that and perhaps have as much as a voice um, as, as some others. Mm. So I think that, that can be difficult at times and, and challenging for, for some clubs to kind of get their opinions and, and points of view across um, so yeah but I imagine you get that in, in, in a lot of industries mm. too I don't, I don't think rugby league's unique in that aspect or, or at all I think uh, yeah it, it, it does certainly work um, in other industries that I've seen and, and in other industries that I've worked in as well so I, I don't think it's alone in that in that aspect. Scholars, scholars um, were in the news a little bit this week as one of three clubs that didn't go to the reunification or didn't vote on the reunification between Super League and the RFL. What's yeah. the story there? Well, to be, to be honest, there's not much of a story. It was purely that uh, one of our board of directors was waiting in the waiting room to be admitted entry in, into the uh, vir- virtual call and was an admitted entry for whatever reason. So, Zoom? We're going to blame Zoom? Uh, yeah, we're going to blame Zoom or Teams or, or someone. But no, it was, it was never Scholar's intention not to, inte- uh, to attend the meeting. It was never Scholar's intention to not vote. Uh, so it was purely a, an, uh, an admin a technical mm. error because... Our directors were ready to to, uh, to vote, and in fact, the RFL called me about fifteen minutes before the start of the meeting to confirm that they were attending, and 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 they they were. So I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it wasn't any sort of protest or um, anything against the the council meeting at all. It was just purely because they couldn't get into the meeting. I'm sure we've all been there. Now, yeah. I sort of came here today, opening day of um, League One. 
trying to figure out what the future is for this division um, because I would say maybe six months ago, eight months ago, uh, when we heard how much the funding had been uh, cut, that there was a, a, a lot of gloom and doom about around League One. Uh, a lot of noise in the background too. Um, a lot of doom and gloom around League One. But as we kind of sit here a couple of hours after the players have left the field after the first game of the season, um, and, and you're now becoming part-time, I believe, at the club, so you're not leaving at all. Um, what is the future of League One? Where, where, where is it all heading? Well, I think you're right, Steve. I think particularly after that news broke a few months ago uh, that they might that the structure might change and then there was a lot of talk about whether League One had a future and if it did, you know, what would it look like for for clubs in, in this division? And so I think there's been some reassurance that it sounds like the structure is going to be the same for this season and next season. So at least that gives clubs the opportunity to plan a little bit for the future. Um, and I know there's work going on behind the scenes by clubs themselves and, and the RFL to drive more investment into the sport, which will hopefully filter down to, to the clubs in, in League One. So I think there's some positive steps there now. It, it did seem pretty negative a few months ago. Uh, and I know there's a lot of concern you know, at, at the club here and, uh, and other clubs that I've spoken to about you know, whether they could even continue or whether, there were, you know, I suppose most owners of clubs, chairmen, CEOs, general managers try and create three-year plans, five-year plans, whatever it might be to, to try and build their club over a period of time. And I think that was impossible probably towards the end of last year or certainly mm. the end of last season and, and with the uncertainty over the Covid landscape as well at the time it probably added to the to the drama and fueled the talk a little bit but I think it seems a little bit more positive now uh, so I certainly hope there's a future for this league because I think it's entertaining it's competitive uh, generally you don't get one club that kind of runs away with the league there are often mm. quite a few competing for playoff places so I'd like to see it go the other way I'd love to see more teams enter League One um, and make it even more competitive from that from that aspect. Yes, yeah. so I'm sure people listening uh, would would be unimpressed if I didn't ask you about rugby league in London generally. Yeah. and about the fate, you know, the, the the Broncos aren't having a great season, but the relationship between the two clubs, which I, I from my own sort of anecdotal, uh, uh, you know, um, evidence from what I've seen has been up and down over the years. Um, you know. How much do you rely on the Broncos to be successful? I mean, basically, you know, your coach went to them, a lot of your players went to them this year. Um, and, and this club was going to do a deal with Toronto Wolfpack at one stage, you know. So what, how is rugby league going in London? And, and from your perspective, where are the Broncos right now, you know? Well, I think a lot of people saw the, the move from full-time to part-time for the Broncos as a, as a negative step. Uh, I mean, I don't know this, but, you know, it's, it's conjecture, but I'd imagine it's not something they wanted to do, but maybe mm. it's something they felt they had to do at this moment in time. So, you know, it's obviously not probably a hugely positive step for London mm. Rugby League or wider London Rugby League because having a full-time team down here was, you know, a huge attraction for them to bring players in. Uh, for the community game as well, it gave them something to aspire to, to go on and play professionally full-time in in London um, but in terms of a relationship from, from my point of view I mean at the moment it, it's it's good the relationship between the two clubs is as strong as it's been since my time here and uh, I know the two the board of directors at Scholars are working a lot closer with the guys at Broncos with, with Jason and Dom and um, all the guys off the field to try and build a relationship that benefits both clubs and have a, a mutually beneficial relationship 
And I think we saw that to a certain extent today. We signed a, a, a season-long dual-reg agreement with them. So we'll be seeing Broncos players you know, feature for scholars on a regular basis in the first team. Um, and we're looking to work closer together in time off the field as well. As you said, today is my last day as, as GM in a full-time capacity. So there are certainly conversations taking place behind the scenes as to how both clubs can work together from a commercial perspective and an administration perspective and an operational perspective to kind of pool our resources to make both clubs and one wider London Rugby League as successful as it, as it possibly can be. And I think we've both got a responsibility to do that. It's your last day, so um, what are you going to be up to from uh, as of tomorrow? Nine, oh, sorry, Monday, nine a.m. And um, what are you going to miss? So I'm going to work as an operations manager at uh, a sports charity called the London Playingfield Foundation, and they work with various rugby clubs and cricket clubs and football clubs to provide facilities for them to to play and enjoy sport throughout London so it's a little bit of a move back to my kind of operational sports development leisure routes um, which I'm looking forward to but there's also a lot that I will miss here I'll miss the people I'll miss uh, being here with, with, with the players I'll miss being educated every day because mm. as I said coming into this as somebody who knew very little about the sport I can safely say every day has been a, a, a learning curve uh, and I'll miss that family feel that you have when you're part of a club uh, everyone here is closely knit, uh, as you can hear in the background. You know, a few few players and, and, and fans in, enjoying their afternoon, kind of win, lose, or or draw. So I think it's a, it's a special environment to be a part of, um, and, and I will certainly miss that. But as you said, I hope to be involved in the background where I can, and, and continuing to help the club and and help the development of the sport in, in however I can with the. The knowledge and, and contacts I've built up over the last few years. Yeah, Charlie, I think you started here when I first moved here, so there's been um, a lot of stages, a lot of uh, different dramas and a lot of different relationships and uh, I guess a lot of things tried and some things worked and some things didn't, so congratulations on all, all you've done. Uh, and, um, and But I guess for... The people listening who are rugby league fans, it's not goodbye. We're going to see you. Yeah, um, we're going to see you around the, around the traps over the, over the rest of the season and hopefully into years ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely be at a few games between now and the end of the season. So uh, hopefully not not running around so so crazily on match days. Maybe get some time to actually sit down and enjoy some of the action on the field too, and and, and support the guys. Uh, and yeah, I'll be looking to get involved with other, other parts of the uh, sport as well, assisting with the World Cup hopefully later in the year in a, in a voluntary capacity um, and how, how, helping however I, I can. Uh, but yeah, certainly be staying on uh, as a huge fan. Yeah, well, um, on the table in front of us, there's a pint on my side and uh, a water on yours. So maybe there'll be two pints next, next time going. Oh, I think that sounds like a good plan, <laughs> Steve. Yeah, definitely. Sign me up. Yeah.